Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. A complete recap and breakdown of the Cardinals' seven picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. Five of those picks address the defensive side of the ball. But first, we have a uniform number switch. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 420, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So today's show, MJ, is brought to you by the number three. And no, we're not talking about the three-day NFL draft. Buda Baker announced on Sunday that he's changing his number again. This is what he posted on Twitter. Quote, Bird Gang, I love you. Don't hate me. Third time's the charm. Hashtag literally. Unquote. Yes, for the third time, MJ Buda Baker will be switching his uniform number. Began his career wearing 36. He wanted to wear 32, which is the number he wore in college. One problem, Tyron Matthew had that number. He switched to 32 when Ty left, and now, thanks to the league relaxing its uniform number rules for defensive backs, he'll wear number three. At least that first number is consistent. Correct. Now, we've talked about this in the past, and Delvin Cook found out that he would have to pay $1.2 million to purchase all his jerseys that are obviously in the NFL team shop, and he said, I'm going to pass. Buddha obviously just signed a long-term contract and probably going to get another one at some point if, you know, if he's still trending in the same direction. So some guy is going to make a business decision and some guys just, you know, they, they're changing. It's going to be weird to see a three. I guess I better get used to it. And Hopkins could change his from, you know, 10 to six. That's what he wore at Clemson. So I'm, you know, usually when the rookies come in, we'll start to get numbers. We don't know what Malcolm Butler's going to wear, you know, different guys. So it'd be interesting to see uh, some of these college guys that come in to try to keep their same number. But yeah, that's a heavy penny. And he, he, he definitely, you know, wants to let the fan base know, sorry, but I'm going to get a new number. He did add this later on social media, quote, no matter what jersey you own, it's all love that you spent your money on something that involves my name. I still love you no matter what. Hashtag Baker fans, hashtag love, hashtag my people, unquote. And I'll say this, that number three, it does look good on him. He attached a photo of himself in that new uniform on his social media post. So it does look it looks all right. I mean, it's going to, as you said, it's going to take some getting used to. And, you know, we think number three, we think Carson Palmer. And there's a big difference between Carson Palmer and Buda Baker as far as stature. But you're right. Seeing a number three, whether that's in the secondary, at the line of scrimmage, it's that first time you're going to be like, who's three again? Oh, yeah, that's Buda. Now, you can actually get a piece of tape and just cancel off the, sec- the second letter or number, right? Yeah, I guess you I could, mean, yeah. It's Buda's jersey. Now, didn't Rosen wear three? He did for the, uh, what, uh, small amount of time that he was here. So, yeah, I guess that would be the most recent. But I'll go with Carson Palmer just based off the uh, production on the field and what he went 
to the organization. I did like what J.J. Watt had to say in response to all of this. Again, this is all happening on Sunday. It's fascinating what these players will open up the door to on social media as they say, control your own message. J.J. Watt joked that Buddha should change his number every year to keep <laughs> quarterbacks guessing. Quote, I like that strategy, unquote. Well, again, it's not, uh, it's not the first time. It's not the second time. It's the third time. Yeah. It's, hey, as they say, if you've got the money to do it, by all means, go ahead. I just hope that this <laughs> this might be it for him. I, I hope that's the case. I would assume so, but never say never. But listen, he's earned the right, and um, we know that he's going to be the face of the defense moving forward. Nothing against Chandler Jones, J.J. Watts' his first year. So, hey, if, you know what do they say, Craig? If you uh, look good, you feel good, you play good. And we know Buddha certainly plays very, very well on defense, and he has for a number of years. By the way, Darren Urban, easycardinals.com, wrote about this, and he actually noticed that on social media earlier in the day, Tay Gowan tweeted out that he was planning on wearing 32. So that kind of opened up the door that, well, if he's wearing 32, that means Buddha's not, and what number is he wearing? Buda Baker made it official that he'll wear number three. So whether or not Bird Gang would get more of these number switches, we'll keep you updated. It is certainly fascinating. And it is the one league rule that has everyone interested in and certainly garnered the attention of a lot of players. Well, and I think, you know, with this first draft class, we're going to see a lot of it because a lot of guys in college wear single-digit numbers. Now, you got to go back to franchises, you know, retired numbers, numbers that are already being occupied. But I think we may see a little bit push this year, and then obviously it will continue because in college, a lot of single-digit numbers when it comes to skill position players, corners, linebackers, uh, running backs, et cetera, even quarterbacks. Speaking of the draft, great, great uh, lead in there, MJ, as we talk about the 2021 NFL draft here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, seven draft picks five of those on defense and over the past couple of days the first two days of the draft we did focus a lot on zavin collins and rondell moore right now i just want to focus on day three those five players four of which were defensive players that we have not really had a chance to discuss and let's go with the first pick in that day three selection and it was a pick that actually kind of surprised a lot of people i was not ready for it because remember there was going to be a long wait the cardinals did not have a fourth round selection yet lo and behold all of a sudden there is an announcement of a trade and the cardinals have moved up with a deal to acquire the 136 overall pick from the baltimore ravens and with that selection the cardinals finally mj drafted themselves a corner Marco Wilson, six feet, 191 pounds out of Florida. Someone who Steve Kime said can play both outside and slot corner. Yeah, you like his size, 5'11", 191. That's good size for a corner, 4'3", His 10-cone drill was 1.49. So you're talking about a guy's arms, or hands, wing, and age is perfect. No, he's a guy that, you know, has a lot of ability, played in a really good conference. I did see some highlights of him covering uh, Jalen Waddell in the end zone. Maybe it was a quick pass breakup, but he's gone against, you know, the the SCC. And, you know, if, uh, we have to bring this up with him. He did have one issue in college. 
He did the shoe throwing incident, which I think is always going to be attached to his name until he outlives it or does something else. The end of the LSU Florida game, he was caught throwing a shoe, led to an unsportsmanlike penalty. It allowed LSU to move up the field, kick a game winning field goal, and certainly it is going to live in infamy. Although I'll say this at least Marco owned up to it, not only with us in the media, but also with the Cardinals and their conversations ahead of the draft. Call it a silly mistake, a learning lesson, and let's hope that that lesson is learned, that you have to control your emotions. And we see this every year, every week, and, and it's hard. It's easier said than done during the course of a ball game, but there are just certain things that are unacceptable, and what Marco Wilson did in that game, you cannot let happen. I think we uh, go back to Drake Kirkpatrick last year. Correct. And At again, Seattle, you just you can't do that. Right, and when you, again, pre-snap, post-snap, a lot of time post-snap are you know playing the echo of the whistle or trying to get the uh, the last blow in. So, you know, he owned it. They talked about it. Steve said, "Yes, people make mistakes, but you know you can't have that, especially in the fourth quarter. And if teams know that, they're going to try to get into his head a little bit. So that's something, but." You know, you look at a three-year starter at, at Florida was the right corner and defensive coordinator scheme. Spending time inside is more of a nickel role in 2019. So when you look at him, uh, the report overall has good size, athletic and fluid and toughness, but doesn't play with consistent urgency, discipline or feel. Wasn't a playmaker on tape. He can eventually push for starting reps if he shows improvement under NFL coaching. When you talk about that athleticism and that one picture that went viral at his pro day when he outjumped the Vertec, which is capped at 43 and a half inches. Florida made the announcement, though, that, that he jumped 44 inches. So he has the speed, he has the athleticism, the makeup speed, and then the ability to close out and get to receivers quickly and hopefully knock some passes down. But yes, when you are drafted on day three, you're a fourth round pick. I don't think it's immediate. You hope that it's something that over time in this first season that you see him on the field consistently. But I think he's gonna be given every opportunity along with Tay Gowan, those two cornerbacks based off what is currently on the roster to compete to be that fourth and fifth guy because you always are in need of cornerbacks in the NFL. And his older brother, Quincy, was the all-SCC cornerback at Florida, second-round pick, uh, number 46 in the 2017 draft by the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, Marco Wilson opted out of his bowl game, and then he declared for the draft. Now, I like the fact that he could play inside and outside. So we know inside's Murphy, Chase Whitaker, and then you throw in Wilson. If you had to rank the four corners right now, I would say we know who the three starters are on paper. We'll start off with uh, Malcolm Butler, Robert Alford, Murphy, and then I would put Marco Wilson at number four right now. And I think that's fair depth chart wise going into the offseason, going into training camp. And then you just see how quickly Wilson is able to pick up the defense, how quickly he's able to assimilate the speed of the game. And preseason games, I think, are going to tell us a lot. Remember, we did not have preseason action a year ago, and I think it really did hurt the rookie class and those first year players. But this year, there's going to be more reps in this offseason, which I think furthers along the developments of these young players like a Marco Wilson. Perfect age, 22 years old. However, he did have, uh, he had two ACL injuries. 
So that's something that obviously he's recovered from. Uh, I want to say one happened in high school and then one happened in college. Correct. He hurt his or tore his left ACL in college and his right ACL in high school. But he did come back after each one of those injuries and was really effective. And I think it's something that you never hope to see happen, yet he now knows what it takes. And I do think he takes good care of his body. Mentioned that he patterns his game after Darrell Rivas. I did see a comp, interesting enough, that you bring up Robert Alford. There are some people, when you look at what Alford did in college and what Wilson did as far as the numbers, the measurables, the pro day, that Marco Wilson and Robert Alford, the comparison there, traits, not, hey, I'm not forecasting, but just if you're looking to see what a Marco Wilson might be able to do, think Robert Alford. Well, when you look at 191, Craig, we don't see corners that are 5'11", 191. So he's got a lower torso, and I think that explains some of his measurables when it came to the uh, the vert and, and also his 40 time. Very intrigued about Marco Wilson. The next selection on Saturday, sixth round, 210th overall, outside linebacker, edge rusher, Victor Demukeji, six foot one, 262 pounds out of Duke. Liked what Steve Keim had to say. Quote, reminds us a little bit of Marcus Golden. High motor, really long arms, plays with great leverage, end quote. A four-year starter with great production, averaged eight sacks his final two seasons, all ACC selection in each of his final two seasons. Though in college, played defensive end, he's going to move to outside linebacker and edge rusher. He did mention on our Zoom conference call that he does or is able to cover, but I think we'll see at least initially maybe just, hey, you're going to line you up either in a three-point stance or stand you up left side, right side, Go rush the quarterback. Make sure no running back gets past you. Yeah, 6'1", 262, 33 and a, half, a quarter inch arms. Um, hands are good, only 21 years old. I like the cop. He also reminded me of Josh Allen. Uh, that was a high draft pick, um, yeah, I want to say from Kentucky. I, I think I similar, but, you know, Steve watches a lot more film than I. I'm not a scout, so Marcus Golden's a great there. And when you start looking at that outside linebacker spot, we know – you have Chandler Jones, you have Marcus Golden, you have Devin Kennard, you have Kylie Fitz. So you add another body. And, and he was projected to go in the fourth or fifth round. He was a 25th uh, ranked pass rusher. And when you start looking at some of his, um, you know, measurables, I mean, the fact is he's only 21 years old. Um, a three-star uh, defensive tackle recruit out of high school. Um, he actually um, was a, uh, went to similar school where Chase Young was, who was number one. He he received 40 total scholarships. That's pretty impressive. Absolutely. And then getting into a institution like Duke and lasting yeah. for four years, as far as that football IQ, something that we heard from both Zayvon Collins and Rondell Moore, students of the game, and that would hope that make that transition from college to pro a little bit more seamless. We also heard from Demukeji that Charlie Bullen, the outside linebackers coach, attended Demukeji's pro day and told Demukeji, quote, a good fit 
for the Cardinals, end quote. And it's another body. You can never have enough edge rushers, but I do like the rotation. Yeah, you're going to have to play on special teams to be active on game day. But when you look at Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, remember no Dennis Gardeck, at least initially in the season. You do have Kylie Fitz. You do have Reggie Walker, who I know has flashed at times, but maybe not consistently. So he's going to be thrown into the mix. And again, you hope to be a contributor, especially when you're drafted on day three, even as a sixth round selection. Yeah, he combined for 78 quarterback pressures over the last two years. He leads Durham, the number two school history, with 20 and a half, 21 and a half career sacks. So again, they project him as a lesser version than Carl Lawson. That's a pretty good comp, lesser version. Obviously, you know, we, I want to say Lawson was drafted a lot higher, but I, to me, you can never have enough pass rushers. And, and now you flood the position because I'm glad you mentioned Gardeck. We don't know when he's going to be available. I'm not betting against the guy, but it is an ACL injury. Yeah, and that's that's a a rehab that, you know, we are told that things are going well, yet we always hear 10 to 12 months, and it happened late in the season. So it really would be a surprise if we see him in training camp, let alone week one. I just just don't know, especially if you do think that you like him long term, whether that's at edge rush or just the core special teams player, you don't want to rush it. And I think this might be one of those cases where those trainers and that staff have to tell Gardeck, hey, listen, slow down a little bit. We don't need you right now, as hopefully you look at it as a midseason acquisition via trade, but it's someone that's already in the building and you just add him because he's now healthy. Couldn't agree more and no need to rush him, but I, you know him, he's going to want to be on there. And again, like you said, it's almost like pulling a trade off and, you know, based on his being in the system, that would be a good addition, whether it's October or early November. We'll just have to wait and see, but I'm not betting against him. No, and I wouldn't either. So Demu Cagey, the first sixth round selection, the second sixth round pick, number 223 overall. The Cardinals once again dip into the cornerback markets and select Tay Gowan out of Central Florida, six foot one, 186 pounds. According to Kime, quote, really good press corner, end quote, which is something that we know Vance Joseph loves to play. Hasn't really been able to do that based off of availability of players, but someone that, like a Marco Wilson, has the size, has the speed, ran a 4-4-40, and two players that I think will be given every opportunity to get some playing time, get some reps at the cornerback position. Yeah, overall summary on uh, Gowan has favorable length, confidence, and ball skills, but it has average speed and tightness in his transitions will be tough to mask against NFL route runners. Again, this is why you flood the position now. He faced a lot of challenges upbringing, including being homeless for one stretch. Got to give the guy a lot of credit. He opted out of the 2020 season on September 1st. Um, So you like to see more productivity, but at that point in time, it sounds like he's been through a lot in his life. Yeah, he has certainly bounced around, played three games at Miami of Ohio, then transferred to a community college, had a great 2019, was actually one of the better corners in the entire game, allowed only 38.5% completion percentage, was really expecting a big 2020, yet the pandemic hit, and then as he told us, he opted out because of his daughter who was born premature. His mom was hospitalized with COVID-19, and he had a very hard decision to make. Quote, 
I felt like I needed to protect my family, so I made the decision to put football aside. Even though I've been playing since I was five years old, it was one of the hardest decisions of my life. I'm always going to put my family first, no matter what, end quote. A tremendous young man with his priorities in order and someone that may have, in the words of Kime, quote, slipped through the cracks, unquote, because he did not play last season. There's very little tape of Tay Gowan. Well, we know the Cardinals have, you know, good secondary coaches between Marcus Robertson and Greg Williams. They're going to coach him up and, you know, he'll learn a lot from just a guy like Malcolm Butler and just, you know, just be a sponge and you know, shadow those guys and see what they're doing because it's it's not going to happen overnight. You, you have to put the work in and you're going to go through a lot of mental layers. You just hope you don't get frustrated. And that's why the rookie mini camp is going to be really uh, important for all these guys because that's where you can make mistakes, go in the film room, correct it, and try not to make the same mistakes. It's going to happen, but you want to limit your mistakes because football is about reacting. Um, you got to think at first, but then you got to react and you don't want to be thinking more than you're reacting. Gowan gave us the quote of the weekend, at least as far as I'm concerned. He told the media, quote, I feel I'll be the Tom Brady of corners, end quote, with respects to him dropping to the sixth round. He then added this, though, quote, I think I needed this. I want to say thank you for the wait, actually, end quote. So not only was he, I think, the best quote of the three-day draft for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know. Zayvon Collins, it's... Okay, I still just like the Tom Brady reference, so I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it in in Gowan's favor. I think Zayvon Collins gave us more. What's the wording? The the the, the country. There's so much emotion and passion. That's true. What is, what is now, listen? We could pick one guy every day, Craig. You know. Yes. But I know what you're saying, and he he's playing up with it. I'll, I follow. I started following him on Twitter, and he's he's enjoying it. I don't know what number he's going to have. I think he had a single digit number, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to top Collins. And again, probably because he's a first round pick, and he had his press conference. He had a Zoom in. He came in. He did a local interview. So again, I think that's going to be hard to top. Just just the emotion with the family, and you know, his mom was giving up some of her 401k so he can go try to get scholarships and nobody gave him a scholarship at Tulsa. But again, these are always great stories. You look at Gowan, the fact that premature baby, his mother was in, in the hospital. I mean, in life, it's it's really all about family. Everything else comes secondary. So I don't disagree. And I love the fact that he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. And hopefully he is that. Just I always talk about opportunities. You got an opportunity now. Take advantage of it. And that's what I enjoy post-draft. You get to know these players a little bit more in depth. You do some reading, you hear from these kids, and they all have a story. They're all unique. Some are rougher than others. But the fact that the pandemic really threw a wrench into Gowan's plans, and I think he made the right decision. And whether that cost him, you know, who knows? But I'm never going to fault anyone for choosing family over their job, whether that's in athletics or just in everyday life. So he made the smart choice for himself and more importantly, his family. But that is why the draft is such a unique experience, because there are a lot of these players that have these rags to riches stories or Football gave them a way out, a way to uplift themselves and their family to heights that they probably never anticipated. And you hope that everyone succeeds. It's not going to happen. But when you hear these stories, whether that's Zayvon Collins or Tay Gowan, it is certainly easy 
to root for these players because of the person that they are. You just hope that the talent is able to succeed and keep them in the league for a long period of time. Yeah, and, and you got to figure he's going to be depth. I mean, he may not be active the first couple of weeks, but, you know, again, he could be a practice squad guy. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, clearly they're going to bring in some veteran corners, you would think, at some point. Yeah, and I do want to get into that a little bit later on, maybe this week, as far as what the Cardinals still need to work on, because I do think <laughs> I've, been, I've been adamant about it the entire draft as far as getting another veteran corner, even though they drafted two corners. And I think... I think Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan, they were not drafted in the same round, but remember a year ago, Lecky Fotsu and Richard Lawrence, the same round, and they've kind of been linked as far as defensive linemen, and you you saw some flashes from both of them. Injuries hampered both of them as far as getting them to be available and on the field on Sundays, but they were given an opportunity. I think they're rotation players, whether they become stars or not, who knows, but I do like that comparison when you have two players at the same position and you can watch them develop. Now, it might be a little bit different with Wilson and Gowan because one was in the fourth round, the other was in the sixth round, but they're both tall. They've got the height, they've got the weight, and they've got the speed. The measurables are there to be successful on Sundays. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. And, and you know, I read a story on azcardinals.com. Darren got a chance to talk to Lucky and Richard Lawrence. And they they were aware of what's going on. They could have drafted a, a lineman early in the draft. Um, clearly, you know, Collins is a guy that they're going to keep at the uh, Mike linebacker. So it's not like he's going to slide down and be a defensive end. They made that very clear. But yeah, I mean, it's that's the business. And, and, and listen, both of those guys, they're going to learn under Brinson Buckner. Now, um, they are going to be rotation guys right now because you figure Zach Allen, J.J. Watt, and Jordan Phillips, and then we'll figure out. But they are going to be rotation guys, and they're going to be on the field. So they're going to take advantage of their opportunity. We talk about, you know, we'll see what happens with Corey Peters. Maybe that's a late addition. Um, you know, maybe is it more of a training camp thing. I haven't heard that he wants to retire. I assume because he's living here, he would like to come back, but that's a cardinal decision. So, but the, you know, when you want the, you usually keep seven uh, D linemen, six on game day, and you rotate them, and you got to make sure you don't burn JJ Watt out. We know how many snaps he played there, so over a thousand snaps. Now, you want him on the field. Um, I'm not saying not just on third down, he needs to be on the field three down. So, you want to keep these guys fresh when you get to November and December. You know, you don't want to have a guy that's logging a ton of snaps. Again, the, the starters are going to get the majority, but you have to have backups and create depth. And I like the fact that they've been in the system working with Princeton Buckner. Good point. That depth, if you have quality depth, then you can do some rotation. There are some players that you'll never want to see come off the field. I know a Chandler Jones is like that, and you might have to literally pull J.J. Watt off the field. But if you can get those snaps to where they're doing well and then increase as the season goes on. I think you had a great phrasing as far as keep these players fresh so they're not getting tired in September, excuse me, getting tired in October, November, and of course, December. And remember, 17-game season. It might just be one extra game, but that is certainly going to be a factor in how teams kind of manage players' reps, not only in practice, but on game day as well we continue here looking back at what the cardinals did on day three and the entire 2021 nfl draft cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals do want to let the bird gang know that this saturday 
May 8th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at State Farm Stadium. There'll be a job fair, over 600 part-time positions available with an ASM Global Craft Culinary Concepts, Insignia Event Services, and Safe Management. For more information, go to azcardinals.com slash job fair. So two selections in the sixth round, MJ. Let's move to the seventh round where there were two more selections, one defense, one offense, and that seventh round pick, 243rd overall, a safety. Once again, the Cardinals addressing the secondary. James Wiggins, 5'10", 209 out of Cincinnati. And interesting to hear both the general manager and Wiggins say special teams. Key for Wiggins early, as Kai mentioned, quote, can play on all four core special teams early in his career. Wiggins told the media he enjoys playing special teams. Quote, anywhere you put me to get the ball out, I'll be the best person to do it. Some of the overall and summary are average frame, but rocked up and doesn't lack for physicality, takes sound angles in the run game, boosts his high batting average as a tackler, coming with balance and striking his target. Excellent time, speed, and range in the half-field game, understands situation, and trusts his vision. Overall, Wiggins uh, owns several necessary traits to play the position in the NFL. Smarts, athleticism, toughness, but he must stay on the field. He projects to be a depth, depth piece who will push for more playing time if healthy. And I think that is going to be key with him and a lot of these players because Wiggins did suffer a torn ACL in 2019, came back in 2020 to become a second-team AP All-American, 32 tackles, one interception, seven passes defense, though he admitted he played, quote, timid. And I think that is just something natural when you're coming off an injury as severe as an ACL that, especially if it's, you know, the first injury of your career and a major injury at that, that sometimes it's not the first year back, but the second year back in which you really feel like your normal self. So perhaps Wiggins, who does have 4-4 speed, not a tall safety, but certainly 209, maybe add some weight. He can be that physical presence in the secondary. And another guy, one, if you want to be active, you're going to play on special teams. And that's what we're talking about when you talk about day three picks, especially in the sixth and seventh round. If you want to be one on the team, you're going to have to make the roster. And then if you want to be active, play on special teams. But I do think Wiggins has the great attitude about knowing where he needs to make an impact initially, and that's playing special teams. Yeah, you miss, he, as you mentioned, 2019 missed the season due to a knee injury. 2020, though, he comes back first-team All-American, first-team All-AC, missed the bowl game due to a calf injury. Now, a three-year member of Bruce Feldman, who's a really good college writer, freaks list. He's on the freaks list, Craig. Wiggins is an athletic safety, natural feat for the game and a football character that will endear to his coaches. He, While he lacks size and makes missteps in man coverage, he can match up on a defender and against tight ends. Okay, that's key there as far as being physical enough to cover a tight end. Now we're not talking about George Kittle tight end. I think that's, <laughs> talk about a physical freak, that's a physical freak. But someone that is not afraid, to borrow a phrase from Ron Wolfley, stick their face in the fan and not shy away from contact. I'll say this about Wiggins. He does certainly have some good role models as far as football role models. He said he looks at Buda Baker, the physicality, likes Tyron Matthew because of his ball hawking skills. And then he also mentioned a couple of guys back in the day, if you will, Ed Reed and Antrell Roll. 
he and Roll went to the same high school. So already there's some immediate Arizona Cardinals connections. And that first name, Buda Baker, which we talked about to open today's show, now all of a sudden Buda Baker and James Wiggins in the same room, that safety position room. And Buda Baker, who we know and anticipate to expect to have a louder voice as far as leadership, now becomes a mentor. As strange as that is to say out loud, because we still think Buda Baker is a young player, but now he has established himself as one of the best, if not the best safeties in the game. He's paid like it, and now all of a sudden he'll be asked to not only be a leader, but also a mentor to a James Wiggins and some of those other young players in the secondary. Yeah, two weeks before signing day, Wiggins had decommitted and reopened his recruitment to Illinois, Louisville, Purdue before committing to Cincinnati. He graduated with a degree in criminal justice in 2020. Wiggins accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl but was unable to participate because of an injury. So we'll keep an eye on Wiggins. Again, the Cardinals 24 years old, Craig. 24. Well, he's been around the block, and, of course, he's dealt with a lot at Cincinnati, but he did have some great seasons in between, sandwiched in Mm -hmm. between what torn ACL in 2019. The last pick of the draft, 247th overall, seventh-round pick. The Cardinals finally went with an offensive player, Offensive center, Michael Minette, six foot four, 301 pounds out of Penn State. According to Kime, great leadership skills, great technician, a three-year starter, two-year captain who told the media, quote, I'm going to outwork people and just compete. So I like the attitude of Minette, and I don't anticipate him coming in and being a contributor on special teams, but as far as depth on the offensive line, Cardinals right now with 15 players on their roster and that is you never know what's going to happen between now and the start of the regular season he's not going to beat out of Rodney Hudson that's for sure but as far as potential as a backup or a project down the road you know seventh round picks it, it's I wouldn't say you want to take a flyer on someone but it's someone that you scouted and you like and it's hope that you can develop them I don't think anyone anticipates a seventh round pick coming in and being a starter right away I do think it's a flyer. I mean, Sean Kugler, obviously, you know, must like him. And Rodney Hudson's under contract two more years. They could get a third year, possibly, uh, depending on contract and how he's playing. But this is what good teams do. You know, you got a free agent that's possibly going to be under contract for another year or two. Doesn't mean he can't compete. Um, you know, seventh round picks, is he going to make the 53-man roster? We're going to see. But three-year starter, captain, uh, played at a, a big-time program. I got to think Kugler, you know, was in, in the offensive staff. So this is more about the future. This is more about probably, quite frankly, no disrespect. I don't want to see him this year. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, that's bad. Because uh, then you got Max Garcia, who is a veteran guy, he could play guard and center. I'm sure they got, you know, they'll have three or four centers going to camp. As you mentioned, they got 15. That's, so that's five, three different units. So they can roll three different depth charts out. Um, and then try to rotate guys in competition. The right guard spot's going to be open competition, I believe, and I think everything will settle down after that. As far as a backup to Hudson, Lamont Gilliard would also be an option, and I think he's got a little bit more as a center. Max Garcia is one of those, you know, a Swiss Army nice, if you will, who can play all across the line. And then Manette, who is going to come in and learn, and he did bring up Hudson. He called Hudson the best center in the league. And then a question was asked about A.Q. Shipley, another former Penn State player. And Shipley has spoken with Manette and the entire Penn State offensive line room. So, again, someone that you're looking to see 
project to the future. Remember last year, we were all very high on Evan Weaver and he did not make the roster. He spent the entire season on the practice squad. Now you hope that year two for Weaver, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, can take that next step and see some reps on the field as an inside linebacker. You just don't know. Yeah, you're taking a chance on these players, but there's a reason you were selected. Otherwise, you wouldn't get drafted at all and you'd be scrambling at the end of the day to try to find a team. I get the Weaver pick. I mean, he was the Pac-12 uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He's undersized, and you know, you start looking at that inside linebacker spot. You know, you got Collins, you got Simmons, um, you have Jordan Hicks, you got Tanner Vallejo, you got Zeke Turner. So I think it's a numbers game, and Zeke Turner and Tanner Vallejo they play on special teams. You know, Kylie Fitz is more of an outside guy. So I, I think there's a role for that guy. It's just he, he's a little undersized, but he, he kind of plays Kamikaze. We didn't get a chance to see him in preseason because that's where you, you kind of when the lights come on and take advantage of your opportunities and i know we're probably going to get into it at the end of the week but i i looked at the free agent list uh this morning craig devondre campbell is still out there yes there's a number of cardinal free agents that are still available and we'll have to wait and see how quickly or has this become now a little bit of a lull until you get closer to training camp because you'll get to see some of these players on the field, even if it is a limited amount of time, but just see where you are going into training camp to where, hey, you know what, we're just not satisfied at this position. Let's go out and sign someone. And we see that every single year. But I am surprised on some of the names that are still out there, whether that's cardinal free agents or just free agents across the board at whatever position. So teams now will take a step back and maybe they don't do anything for a little while and maybe they do add someone immediately the cardinals right now have 85 players on the roster remember it's a 90-man roster so we'll see what happens between now and the rest as far as those undrafted free agents that are signed but we'll wait until that becomes official from the arizona cardinals i know that's been some players that have been reported but it's never official until you get that press release because with some of these deals sometimes you know you agree to it and then all of a sudden a better offer comes along and you skip town so to speak and go to another team and it's going to be uh interesting this year because you know you got your rookie class and right now you have seven picks and then you're going to bring in some undrafted free agents and and then you so you're going to have to have numbers there now you're only going to have five tryout guys now as of four four one o'clock local time today teams can sign veteran players that not does not count against the compensatory formula so uh, i think i wasn't caught off guard but i thought you know connor could be a guy they signed after the draft but clearly they made a, a priority to sign him gave him a little bit of flexibility. He didn't need to run, draft a running back in the first couple rounds, nor in the draft. So that gave him some uh, flexibility there. So, yeah, as of 1 o'clock today, it doesn't go against the formula. And right now the Cardinals would have, I guess they traded a pick for next year. So uh, right now they would have three compensatory picks, five for Patrick Peterson, and then two in the seventh round. Again, we'll wait and see when it comes official, but that's where it's at right now. And I uh, give the Cardinals credit for moving up because that, that would have been a long 111 consecutive picks and uh you know the fact that they were able to offer a future pick and get back in the get back in the race there because i'm sure that that, that board was just losing players left and right so give them credit and, and clearly they didn't have a lot of draft capital going in but they are able to get more picks than they went in with 
Let me just say this about these draft picks, not Zayvon Collins and Rondell Moore. There's a different category that I'll put them in, but as far as these picks on day three, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, and seventh round, we don't know. You hope, but you just don't know. And anyone that says, well, that was a wasted pick or not a good pick, or what are you doing here? Or why are you getting this guy? No one knows. And just because these names are not household names, they are not players that you typically hear and read about, it doesn't mean they can't play. And I'll be honest with you, any of these seven picks, they weren't top of mind players that either we discussed here on Cardinals Cover 2 or that you heard from a Mel Kuyper Jr. or Daniel Jeremiah. They're just not household names, and people, I think, get caught up on looking at your draft class and saying, I recognize this name, this name, this name. That's a good draft class. Or I don't recognize any of these players. The Cardinals failed in acquiring players that they can use and play on Sunday. I just, I, I don't get that thinking. Even though you might not have seen them played or you rely only on one or two media members or draft boards, look, all we have is what we see on television. What teams have, what front offices have, are game film that's a little bit better than what we have on television. And then they have medical information. And then they have other information. They speak to coaches. They speak to family members. We're not doing that. We can certainly say, oh, this guy should have gone here, but we don't know the backstory. We don't know about the medical situation. So character. I would, and character, I would just caution everyone, and everyone does it as far as draft grades. I'm not even going to get into that because it just it doesn't mean anything right now. We haven't even seen these guys, A, in uniform, let alone on the field. So don't get caught up on A- minus or a C- minus or a B+. Plus. It doesn't mean anything. Let's have this conversation three years from now when we've actually got a resume and some backstory from these players. So all we're talking about is hopeful terms and trying to not put too much expectation on these players, especially when you're drafted on day three and the Cardinals had four picks in around six and seven collectively. You can't expect a lot out of that. Now, can we be surprised? Absolutely. I'm thoroughly intrigued by Tay Gowan and some of these players, but we just don't know until we see them on the field. And, and just to add to what you said, because, you know, it was well said, they, they've done three years research on these guys. It's not like these guys popped up on their screen. So, again, I, I the fan base, I know they like mock drafts. We know they're not very accurate. We know teams don't. Like this guy on Twitter, he, he said, well, um, one of these guys were projected to go in the seventh round on NFL.com. I said, well, uh, I can tell you that the Cardinals don't look at NFL.com. They don't rank players, you know, so it, it, but everyone has, you know, they're always second guessing and they should have drafted a corner in the first round. Well, the top three corners were off the board. They should have drafted a, a wide receiver in the first round. The top three wide receivers were off the board. Well, they should have drafted a lineman. The top three linemen were off the board. And then it's, well, you should have moved up or moved back. It's like, well, it takes two teams to do it. And then you got to figure out what draft capital you're using to move up. The Cardinals had none. Yeah, it's great to move down and acquire more picks. Yet, who's coming up to your position? You know, it's, you know, it's much like people say, oh, you should have done this, called this play. It's in the heat of the moment. It's something totally different than what we do here, whether that's this show or any other median out there as far as talking about the football. Oh, look, we love 
mock drafts because it gives us information. We get to know these players better, but it doesn't mean that that's what should have happened or did happen. Shoot, 99% of the time, it doesn't happen that way based off how all of these mock drafts were set up. Craig, I, I mean, I know every NFL team, you know, wants to keep, uh, you know, fans engaged. We, we send out mocks and Kyle does a good job monitoring those. But on this show, for the last couple of years, we really don't talk about mocks. I mean, we'll, we'll maybe say this guy was projected. I think you learned with me, we just look at names now. We start to learn names and where, what tiers are they in? Who's the top three tier in this position? And that's how you start to figure things out. And again, I, I've been saying this for years. Bob Ferguson, former general manager, still living in Gilbert, um, always told me, Mike, just rank the players. Rank the players. Don't worry about the teams rank the players and and then you could figure out you know what do the jets need they need a quarterback what is it what was clemson they need a quarterback well that's why those players are going that high what did cincinnati want they could have taken the tackle they take a wide receiver what would philly want philly want a lineman to protect hurts no they take a receiver so it, again teams don't share um what their draft board looks like we don't see it we don't hear it. nobody tells us anything so what I learned is I start watching college football in the fall, and this year was difficult. Um, and then you start learning names, and you'll see, you know, projected mocks all coming out today. Which again, that's their business. But at the same time, it's more about learning the player and the, and the traits they have, and how they would fit with a certain team like the Cardinals. Funny, I don't remember which publication it was, but I did see already, and way too early, twenty twenty two. NFL mock draft. And I saw it and I was like, geez, the draft just ended. So it, again, it's all it's about projection. Even practice yet. <laughs> now I will say this though, and the Cardinals don't need a quarterback. So don't, I'm not yelling fire in a theater. The Valley of the sun is being well represented in next year's draft. At least three possible quarterbacks from the Valley or the state of Arizona. That's true. And that's, it's, it's a good situation to pay attention to if you're a college football fan here in Arizona, whether that's, you know, at Arizona State or elsewhere around the country, because yeah, you're right, there are a number of quarterbacks that either played collegiately or went to high school here in Arizona that all of a sudden that are showing up on NFL radars. You know, I know Herm Edwards has done a good job, even though the win loss record probably not going to, I think he gets more credit than what they proved. Uh, obviously last year, COVID really affected them. I like their quarterback. I like their recruits. I want to see more ASU players drafted. I mean, we hear about these four. Now, Frank Darby, he goes in the fifth round of the Falcons. I think it's a really good spot for him. He's 24 years old though. So a little bit older guys. A lot of these guys are coming in 2021. Um, and Craig, the NFL is littered with two and three star players. The NFL is littered with 30% of the rosters undrafted free agents. Now, you want to hit in the first three rounds because those are the guys you want to extend. But the belly of your roster are rounds four through seven. Guys that you can count on and are rotation players that will always be there and might be able to have a longer career just based off their success rate than perhaps some of those early candidates. And you said it perfectly. Yeah, I'd love to sit here and say, oh, they got to be uh b minus they didn't get a tight end uh, blah 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 but the thing is we have to wait some of these guys may not even sniff the field when we know how difficult and last year with no preseason and no offseason i give i give all those rookies credit because some rookies put up big numbers and it's it's not easy doing that and hopefully this year 
the Cardinals can have this rookie class participate a little bit more than they had in the previous years. Now we say all this bird gang with respects to day three, but it was interesting to hear head coach Cliff Kingsbury say this about their first two picks, day one and day two, Zayvon Collins and Rondell Moore, players that Kingsbury said, quote, need to play and play early and play a lot. And that was the message from Kime and the rest of the scouting department. They want to see Zayvon Collins and Rondell Moore on the field. Now, you don't want to force it. If they're not ready, they're not ready. But based off everything that was said over the past three days, MJ, they are expecting the Arizona Cardinals, What's that's the front office or the coaching staff, that week one, Zayvon Collins better make an impact and Rondell Moore better make an impact. Now, those are lofty expectations. I'm not going to go that far just yet, but it was interesting to hear that from Kingsbury as far as the message that he and his coaching staff have received from general manager Steve Kime and the rest of the personnel people that there has to be a, uh, an emphasis to get those two players on the field. And, and I can appreciate Steve and Cliff not coach speak because usually it's competition. I mean, they made it very clear. Collins is playing in week one next to Isaiah Simmons. And then you worry about the other stuff. Um, Rondell Moore, what he can do on special teams, he's going to be active. I mean, you look at the wide receiver roster, you look at Hopkins, Kirk, I'm sorry, Hopkins, Green, Kirk, and then it's going to be Rondell Moore. He's going to be active. So um, I heard somebody say today that the, the Cardinals wide receiver position is loaded. I'm like, really? Loaded? It's top heavy. Very, very top heavy. Yeah, we got to find out who's the fourth, fifth, and sixth now. Okay, let's talk about this because I got other stuff I want to talk about the wide receiver, including Andy Isabella moving forward, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later. So let's talk about the first two draft picks. And I think there's something to be said about how much we see them play. Zayvon Collins, you know, you love his attitude and you love what you hear from him. And it was also interesting to hear that he did a sit-down interview with our colleague Lisa Matthews, and she brought up an interesting point that – first ever draft prospect to ask for Steve Kime's cell phone number to actually stay in contact and be parts of this organization, whether that's advice or what do I need to do, but he is going all in, jumping in with both feet, which you like to see. And he's got a great backstory. And now it's just a matter of, all right, let's see it on the field because if you're going to play that Mike linebacker, that's the quarterback of your defense. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I've talked to a few uh, former Cardinals coaches over the weekend. And, you know, it's funny because Steve gave the Trayman uh, Edmonds, Trayman Edmonds for the Bills. And he's been to the Pro Bowl, very similar skill set, very similar size. And I talked to a former coach and he gave me the same comp. And then he also said, um, Brian Erlacher. Now, Brian Erlacher was a safety and he went to a small school in New Mexico. Um, the Cardinals had interest in Erlacher, but they decided to draft Thomas Jones that year. And, you know, Erlacher went on to be a Hall of Famer. Now, what the Bears did is they lined him up at the Sam position his rookie year, and he struggled. So the reason I'm bringing this up, Steve has maintained, this is not a hybrid linebacker. This is a Mike linebacker. Again, go back to Erlacher's first season. They lined him up as a Sam, and he struggled. And then they moved him to the middle, and the rest is history. 
Yeah, you can be that Mike linebacker and still call the defense and you can still rush the quarterback. You can still drop into coverage or get a tight end coming across or running back coming across. But as far as where you line up initially, 99% of the time, that's where Zayvon Collins is going to be. He's going to be that Mike linebacker. Now with Rondell Moore, someone I think might be a little bit different to where a wide receiver you might see at every single position. You might even see him in the backfield a time or two. Kingsbury called more, quote, a jitterbug that can make things happen in space. Not very big, 5'7", a buck 81. And yes, right now, you would have to say that he has supplanted Andy Isabella. That's just the way it is. Isabella has had his turn, and the Cardinals do not like what they see, so they're going in a different direction. At least that's where we stand right now. At least that's what I see looking from the outside in. Well, I mean, let's connect the dots. I think it's a total indictment on Andy Isabella. And with, you know, Christian Kirk, I like Christian Kirk, but, you know, is he a number three receiver? We thought he was a two, one and a half. He, he tied Hopkins in touchdowns last year. Um, I'm, not, I'm not giving up on Kirk, so I, th I think three and four could be up for competition. I think the experience with Kirk gives him a little bit of an edge there. But this is an indictment on Andy Isabella, in my opinion. It is going to be fascinating to not only hear what comes out of the Arizona Cardinals coach's office and also from the locker room, but also to see and how much we're able to see before we get to training camp because that competition at wide receiver as far as three, four, and five, there is going to be a lot of competition there. And then how does Kingsbury mix and match? And sometimes maybe it is more starting over Kirk depending on what you want to do. And remember, when we say start, all it is is they're looking at the 11 players on offense and defense who are on the field for that first play. That's it. You get credit for a start if you play that first snap. But if you don't play the rest of the game, you still get credit for that start. So sometimes I think that, quote unquote, oh, he started all 16 games or he started eight games in a row. Sometimes you have to look snap counts as far as how many snaps are we seeing this player on the field? And also, when are those snaps taking place? Well said, because yeah, yeah, it's one play of the game, and it, it's it, over. We get to the month of September, we'll start to see who's playing. But I, I do think right now Kirk's at the number three receiver. I'm just saying he's got experience. He's shown flashes. He's got to stay healthy, and you know I, I don't think he's going to lose any confidence here. But this has got to be motivation for Christian Kirk. He's going into his final year of his contract. Is he going to be here next year? They got a, they got Ronald Moore who may have more upside when it comes to the return game, and he's on a rookie contract. So, um, again, like Bertrand Perry said, they pay attention to guys that get drafted at your position. You think Jordan Hicks is going, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature. Yep, and you're always looking over your shoulder unless you're one of those established guys that are eight, nine, ten years in. But the NFL, you're always looking, you're always looking to replace someone. AQ Shipley taught me that a long time ago, and he was, he was quote unquote replaced every single season. It seemed like yet he was always on the field, barring that one season in which he was hurt. But uh, the Cardinals again, seven draft picks, five of those on defense. We'll have plenty to talk about individual as far as these picks and in what they mean for the Cardinals, whether on offense, defense, or special teams. There is still a lot of time, and we do want to discuss what the rest of the division did. But how about that, MJ? We save that for a show down the road. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Rayalu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.